Well, good morning. Glad everyone is nice and awake and chipper today. Does everyone have a good week? Well, <laughs> we'll just pray the whole time then. Apparently, we might need it this morning. Well, it is, um, it is good uh, to be together this morning to uh, worship the Lord um, together, um, to hear about uh, what's going on in uh, one another's lives, and um, just to, to be together, it's good. So this morning... Uh, we're going to be talking about um, a topic of unity in the church, and I'm um, discussing um, several kind of aspects of that as it relates to um, where we are in the life of Jesus. And um, we thought it'd be good just to do something a little different today, mix it up, and uh, so I'll be asking all the questions today, and Ryan will be giving all the answers. <laughs> so, I'm <laughs> so glad you're here. Um, I'm glad so, to be here. Glad to do it. Surprise, it should be fun for me. So... Yeah, the last uh, several years, um, and I don't know if, if this is just um, a part of me is getting older, but there's kind of been this growing tension in me when it comes to unity in the church. And there's a, there's a part of me that um, I think hopefully as I'm gaining in some understanding and hopefully um, in a little bit of wisdom that, um, that there's certain convictions and beliefs that um, I've come to about Scripture in a certain way that I think things ought to be. So does anybody else feel this as they're getting older? Is anybody just grumpy and you think it should be your way? Or... <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. So there's this, there's this tension of, of part of me is, man, um, that we, if we should all, as, as the global church, turn back to God's word and just believe and do what it says. And then there's this other part of me um, that's had the privilege of being um, a chaplain for first responders. And as a chaplain, um, I first of all minister to people of all faiths, um, but um, specifically as I interact with people um, that claim the name of Christ um, on my chaplain team, as well as people uh, within um, the area of either law enforcement or uh, work in fire, EMS, um, seeing that there are people that have some different convictions um, that I might not share, um, but still love the Lord. So you can kind of begin to see this tension, right? <laughs> Doctrinal purity, um, us all returning uh, to God's Word, and this is what it says, and having convictions about that. Um, but yet here are people um, that I see and love and believe um, that uh, love the Lord too, and they have some different convictions. Anybody else felt this with other people, whether it's someone in your family, um, someone at your school, um, someone at your workplace? And so this morning, uh, as we look at um, John chapter 17, we're going to see that Jesus, um, in really his high priestly prayer, priestly prayer, or in one of his final prayers, um, he prays for unity. And um, we're not coming this morning with a, here's a five-step plan uh, to unity in the church. And if we just do these five things, man, uh, we'll be perfect and all one across the globe, and that'll happen next month. Um, that would be awesome. I think we'd all vote for that plan, uh, but uh, we're going to kind of bring us back to um, a step that I think we can all um, take um, as uh, we look at this passage and pray that God would open our eyes um, and open our ears to hear what he might uh, want to say to us. So with that, would you kick us off by praying for us this morning? I will. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, we're just grateful to be here this morning and worship you and, and hear the 
the, the beauty of the, the music and song that we just did and be able to pour out our hearts to you and recognize that you are on the throne and that uh, you are worthy of worship, you're worthy of, of praise, and you're worthy of um, obedience. And we, that's what we come to you this morning, looking into your word for that direction, for that encouragement. And uh, we ask you for, for wisdom, we ask you for guidance, and we ask you that you really teach us. Your Holy Spirit in our hearts would, uh, would link up with the truth in your word and convince us uh, to, to grow, to change, and to be the people that you desire us to be. So just please guide us this morning, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, if you got... Um your Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 17, and just a, just as a brief reminder where we are, uh, Jesus has been with the disciples at the Last Supper and talking to them about many things um, before um, he is about to be betrayed. And uh, here we find him uh, with one of, if, if not um, his last prayer, uh, with the disciples and for the disciples um, before he's betrayed and um, crucified. And um, it's incredibly powerful. It's very thick with them. Um, it says quite a bit of th- few things and repeats quite a few things. Um, so this morning, I want to read through that. Um, and uh, then we'll, we'll kind of back out a little bit and, and look at it from a higher level. So in uh, John chapter 17 and verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed." I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me. Out of the world, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I, no longer, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled." But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the word has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth." As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate, consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, in, in, are in me and I in you, 
that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, and they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. How many of your prayers sound like that on a regular basis? <clears throat> Probably not too many of us. Um, just to back up, there's a few things um, that um, Jesus is requesting uh, here in this, in this passage, in this prayer. In verse 1, um, he says a request that, um, that God will glorify his Son, that he may glorify the Father. In verse 11, um, he requests that the Father would keep them in his name, uh, in his will. In verse 15, um, that the Father would keep them from the evil one for his disciples. And in verse 17 and 19, that the Father um, would sanctify the disciples and those that they reach in the truth. So that, that the basic idea throughout the whole passage is that Jesus would be glorified by the Father so that the Father might be glorified. In essence, so that the whole world would know who Jesus is. And that that would happen because the Father made it happen, and it would happen because of the way that his church, that his people have lived. And as you look at this passage, um, we see this, this theme of unity or being one. In verse 11, as he's praying for um, his disciples, he says, And I am no longer in the world, but they're in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So this idea of um, that we as um, his people, that his disciples um, there and then in that time, that they would be one just like Jesus and the Father are one. In verse 21, as he moves on to pray for not just the disciples that were there um, in that moment, in that time in history, but for all disciples that would come as a result of them sharing the gospel with others. In verse 21, he says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Again, that we would be one and that the world would see Jesus um, because we are one and acting like one. He goes on in verse 22, says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I mean, this idea that uh, Christ has given us his glory. Why? So that people would see him, so that people would know him, so people's lives would be forever changed, made right uh, with the God of the universe. And then in verse 23, Jesus prays that I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. This idea that we as the church forever 
would be perfectly one. Uh, how many of you have seen the church be perfectly one in your lifetime? <laughs> Not seen any hands, Ryan. <laughs> um, I think it's amazing that it may not be our complete topic of the day, but when, when Jesus is saying that they may be one even as we are one, yeah. Jesus is talking to God the Father there, and with, this, with the, the God-man Jesus and the God the Father speaking there together, a request being made to him, if we're one as they're one, there, there's a, uh, a, a power there. Yeah that I don't know that we can fully grasp yeah. in that, when, if that we might be one as they were one. They were, they were the Godhead together, and together with the Holy Spirit's in our hearts, there is a, 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 a divine power there that we get to tap into, and he's praying for that right there. Yeah, and it's just a great responsibility for us, right? Yeah. Um, that we might be one so that the world might know. So I'm curious, um, what do you think it would look like if the church were actually one? Have you thought about this much? It's, I, I certainly have experienced um, the opposite of that. And, and so it's, it's almost easier to, to Can think Can I get of, an amen? <laughs> and and yeah. so I was, I was trying to come up with, with examples when I have sensed the church being one. And the things that popped into my mind were, were, at, were types of ministries I've been involved with over the years. Um, in, in high school and college, we were involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes where, um, you know, you showed up at 7 o'clock in the morning and kids from, from churches from all over town, the lo- local churches from all over town, several of which I knew at the time, I'm sitting there going, I don't think they preach Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so even in that moment as a, as a teenager, I was looking around the room sort of with a skeptical eye, but nonetheless, they were coming together and the organization was Christ-centered and so these, these churches would come together. And then later on, um, having been a part of like a Promise Keepers event where you've got a stadium full of men who are uh, um, promoting biblical principles, family values, and you know full well that you've got a stadium full of 60,000 people that you've got representatives of who knows, from a church standpoint, but nonetheless, lifting their voices up in praise and worship to the Lord, those are examples that come to mind um, that, that really gave me, a, 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 I guess, a vision of maybe what it could be like, a, a little glimpse of, of heaven, if you will, when we all come together, those that are legitimate Christ followers. Yeah. Well, just the idea that we'd actually get along, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, that we would enjoy spending time together uh, with other churches. That uh, when we get together, that there wouldn't be talk about um, how our church um, is better than their church, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think we've all had um, these conversations. And by the way, um, our our goal this morning is not to um, single anyone out um, or to uh, be the Holy Spirit uh, to convict people. <laughs> but um, so that we would um, really begin wrestling with some of these things and some ways that maybe God wants to begin to move us as um, individuals um, and as a local church. But certainly the idea that if, if the church was to be one, we would get along, we would spend time together, uh, we would worship together. Um, our focus and gaze would not be in our differences um, or in our uniqueness, 
but our, our gaze, our focus would be on Christ and Him alone. And, you know, as you look back to um, the early church, you can see that there's certainly division that happened pretty quickly, but uh, you get back to that point, what was it that they were focused on? They were focused on um, Jesus and His mission uh, throughout um, all of it, and it's pretty amazing to think about it. I also think, too, that um, churches, instead of um, churches being about their own uniqueness or their own brand or their own doctrinal statement, um, that churches would be more geographical. Wouldn't that be incredible? Like, what if Canal Winchester had one church? Mm. You ever thought about that? What if... Or why don't they have one church? Ever thought about that? Well, we're not going to really talk about that today. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not trying to say that doctrine doesn't matter, because it absolutely um, does, uh, for sure. Um, But man, if if churches were just... We we go to that church because that's where we live, or we're a part of that church because that's where we live. Uh, that would just be incredible. Uh, but now it's like a smorgasbord. It's like, okay, uh, which one do you want? Uh, which culture do you want? What type of leaders do you want? What kind of dress do you want? What kind of songs do you want? Um, but um, the idea that the church would be one, um, it's an interesting thing um, to begin uh, thinking about. Yeah, I think that um, in, in going back, you know, why, why is that? Um, you've got tons of denominations across our town. Um, let alone across the world, depending on how to count it, there's, there's thousands or tens of thousands of denominations that would be considered Christian denominations. And a lot of those, I think we would consider, if we, if we dug into their, their doctrine, we would probably consider a lot of those legitimate Christian denominations that one day we will join their legitimate followers in heaven and, and vice versa. Um, certainly there's there's churches in our town and across the country that meet on Sunday morning that aren't, that aren't teaching a true gospel, and we wouldn't necessarily consider them. Um, I, I, don't think, I don't think Jesus would want us to be united with churches that are, um, that are not teaching his gospel. He would want us to reach out to them and be loving and kind and bring them into a truthful understanding of salvation. But uh, one, of the, one of the things that I was, uh, you know, looking at uh, as, we've, as we prepare for this, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, so this is Paul talking to the, the church in Corinth. He says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. So even in, in that day and age, there was, there was division. And then in verse, uh, in verse 12, it adds some detail to that. What I mean is that each of, each of you says, I follow Paul. I follow Paulos. Or I follow Cephas. Or I follow Christ. And as you dig into that, you understand these folks are kind of aligning with who baptized them. Mm. And, it, and, and at, at the end of the you know, discussion there, Paul's saying, I, I don't care who baptized you. I, it, we're about Christ. And um, I can't help but think that it's similar to aligning with, you know, people saying, you know, I go to, I go to C3 or I, I go to New Life. I go to, you know, pick your church in town. Even, a, even church that, churches that we, you know, would, would kind of align with doctrinally, I'm not sure Jesus would be completely impressed <laughs> with, with the prevalency and the number 
of, of churches. So yeah, what if we had one in our town? Yeah. So to pull the, uh, the crowd here today, how many uh, denominations do you think the internet says are in the world? For some guesses. <laughs> It sounds like you might have done a little research. <laughs> Anyone else want to take a guess? Cowards. <laughs> um, they typically estimate anywhere between 33 and 45,000 or more um, denominations. And by the way, that doesn't include all those who claim non-denominational um, <laughs> as, as their, in essence, denomination. So although there is no such non-denominational church um, denomination, but <laughs> I guess that would be implied in the name. Um, so um, how many of, of us here have ever left a church for whatever reason you've, you've, you've left? And um, for me, uh, there was um, a moment, um, not a moment, um, much of um, my 20s and 30s where I would be incredibly critical of the church that I grew up in, uh, which, by the way, is not too far from here. And when we left that church, I would have been in eighth grade. So I'd have been like 13 years old. And of course, we, we all know 13-year-olds, they know stuff, right? Um, sorry to all you 13-year-olds <laughs> in the room. Um, but even as early in ministry, um, I would compare um, our church um, to their church and how much better um, our church was. And I left when I was 13. Um, but yet somehow I knew um, how bad the other church was. And so one day we, uh, we wanted to borrow a man lift um, from that church, and um, I was tasked with going to get it because um, apparently it, that, that fits my skill set. It was the truck, I think. It was the truck, probably. <laughs> um, so uh, we went uh, to, to pick this up, and the pastor um, was there, and he had been there, I'm guessing, 50-some years um, if not longer, planted the church, been there, faithful to this church for decades. And he was incredibly old. I don't know. Um, I don't want to insult anyone here, but he was, <laughs> he was up there in years. And so probably, um, at least what I heard, was actually having some memory issues. And we're walking through the hallways, and I'm like, oh, no, there he is. Um, and he looked at me, and he pointed at me. You know that that old kind of pastor point, you know? <laughs> he pointed at me, squinted his eyes, and he's thinking, he's like, you're that kitchen boy, aren't you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. I left when I was 13. I mean, my reputation must have been pretty bad um, as a 13-year-old for a pastor to remember me, what, I don't know, 20-some years later. And God taught me in that moment um, to stop being so critical. Um, here's a man, although I might not agree with everything I think he's done uh, or the, the way that they've taught certain things, but here's a man who's been faithful in ministry uh, for 50-some years, um, and, and he knows my name. It was just an incredibly humbling moment um, there as, as, as we went to pick up a lift. <laughs> Uh, to change some, some light bulbs. Um, so as we think about um, this idea of unity, um, it's easy for us to begin thinking about, and I just want to name quite a few, of what are some of the barriers um, to unity? What are some things that get in the way? 
of, of unity in the church, whether it's a local church um, here, um, just within our four walls, whether it's a local church here in our community, or regionally, nationally, globally, what are some barriers? And the first thing um, I wanted to point out is sometimes we just don't want it. We don't really want unity with other churches. Oftentimes, and at least in our American culture, um, so for those of you that um, are more middle-aged or, or older, um, your generations uh, in the church terms will be defined as tribalists. Um, you are loyal to your tribe. You're loyal to your denomination. You're loyal to your set of beliefs, um, to a brand of Christianity, um, maybe even a local church. That's your tribe. You're, you're loyal to that. Um, those of you that are younger, so millennials and, and Gen Z, um, you are oftentimes marked by the idea that you're individualists. Um, you're not loyal to a, to a group. You're not loyal to a church or denomination or a set of beliefs. What you're loyal to, generally speaking, is you. <laughs> and oftentimes you become the determiner of what's right, what's wrong, and uh, we miss the idea of unity altogether. Um, so the first thing I think is a barrier is we don't really want it, if we're honest. Um, I think that another barrier is that uh, there are many um, in the church that aren't actually followers of Christ. And I think there are churches um, that are truly um, apostate, and they don't, they don't follow Christ either. And we're beginning to see, um, at least in the U.S., um, God, um, God thinning out. <laughs> Uh, who belongs to his church, and if there's if there's one good thing that's come out of a pandemic, um, you're you're beginning to see in a different way who's in and who's not, um, as people have have left and walked away. If you've done any research, you see that the numbers of um, those that are claiming the name of Christ in the U.S. Um, they're they're falling dramatically um, year to year. Um, it's it's dramatic, and even over the last I think it's ten or fifteen years the number of people in the U.S. who claim Christ has dropped over 20% um, just in the last handful of years, uh, which, is, which is huge. Um, another idea, just as, as cultural Christianity has become less popular, uh, we've seen the decline. So where it was acceptable um, to be a Christian in public, and we all kind of shared at least some moral um, agreement, um, that, that's no longer cool um, in our culture. So you're seeing people um, that were maybe cultural Christians but not true Christians. They're like, yeah, peace out, no thanks, um, I'm going elsewhere. There's also this idea that there's a lack of biblical Christianity, um, that many are preaching a gospel that's not a gospel according to the Scriptures. Um, it's about um, the idea of being entertained or gaining some sort of experience. It might also be about the idea that um, God wants you to be um, healthy and wealthy, and that's their idea of Christianity, which is clearly not um, in Scripture. We oftentimes see um, abuses in leadership or failures in leadership. Uh, we see this phenomena of um, celebrity pastors um, in our churches, and it becomes a barrier um, to the idea of unity that that's our guy, until it's not our guy, but that's our guy. <laughs> and he's better than all of your, your guys because he's, he's much cooler and wears skinny jeans. Yeah. I will not ever be that guy. Praise God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, there's wrong with skinny jeans if you're wearing them today. Good for you. Just not, not, not me. 
<laughs> as, as I was um, just really reflecting on where the disunity that, that, that I've experienced inside churches I've been involved in and also communities, I, I kept coming back to this topic of unresolved conflict. Mm. It, You're going to step it, on some toes here. It, it even, I mean, it, you can make a list of things that have caused disunity, but even if you have a list of different things, somewhere underneath each of those you know, bullet points that I may have made in my list, was, there was this thing lingering mm. of either unresolved conflict or a lack of discipline in, in not processing the conflict well. Mm. And if that happens, and so sometimes you think about that as being a problem in a particular local church, in our church, in a church, but then when that happens, you've, you then, this, this seed of lack of resolution of conflict just, just takes root, and you've got a, a bitterness, and, and then pretty soon, you've got a, a division has started, yeah. and you can, I mean, I can go back to my community in South Dakota. I can come up with examples from when I was growing up as a kid. People, names, churches. I can think of examples in the last 20 years since we've been um, here. Um, examples that, that, um, that have, that, where that has come to fruition. And then even in a local family, then as that division grows, what happens? Oftentimes, eventually, a new church comes about. Hmm. And now you've got a, another church in that community, and you've got, you know, a new family. Some of those people won't know anything about the old situation, but nonetheless, that church came about because of that, and, and now some of the people you know are constants. I, I've got people that come into my mind right now, historically, that, that there has been um, discord, and did I walk that path completely with them? Hmm. I don't know if it was completely. I don't know on this side of heaven, maybe it's always possible. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, there, there are people that, um, I don't know, frankly, aren't my favorite people. And Wait, wait. <laughs> no, no, you don't qualify into that. No, I don't not, qualify. Not at all. <clears throat> we should talk about that for a minute. <laughs> uh, no, but there's, there's people that um, you're no longer in ministry with, but that that conflict wasn't resolved. And, and I still come back to that picture of unity as that we're one as, that they might be one as we are one. And I have to believe that Jesus desires those people that we had discord with, that we walk the path of reconciliation with them, of, of, of relational uh, conflict resolution with them, so that there would be more of a unified church within, especially a local area. As, you know, back when we're talking about when the church was implemented, you know, people weren't driving 30 miles to a church. I mean, that, that was just, that'd be ridiculous. There was, yeah. there was small homes locally um, so that, that people could experience that oneness. Yeah. So you're talking about those people when we're walking through town and we see them Oh, I thought you're now you're you're and, stepping on toes and, now. And our and our heart sinks, and we're like, uh, how can I walk around them or like look down so that I don't see them and they don't see me? Those people. Yeah, those are the <laughs> ones that point out to me that I've still got a problem. Yeah. And I and I haven't walked or I didn't walk that path. And maybe now, 15 years have passed, 
And I don't know, am I really going to walk down that path now? That might just be awkward. But nonetheless, in my heart, I was like, I, I'm not going to do that again. If I face a situation like that again, I am going to walk that path completely. So if I see them in Meyer, I can stop and talk to them. Yeah. Ah, uh, Meyer. <laughs> so as we think about barriers, um, oftentimes churches have either a different actual or perceived missions um, or visions for what uh, God wants them to do, uh, different values. Um, <clears throat> oftentimes it doesn't resemble uh, the simple call in Scripture for us to go and make disciples. It's something else. Uh, we can see um, a barrier of pride and arrogance by leaders and pastors. Um, I was expecting amen. I was going to say, is that to me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I, I get it. I, I'm part of that. Um, as I get older, as I mentioned that tension, um, there, there's a part of me that um, there are times, if I'm honest, I, there, there are churches I just don't want to do anything with. And I don't, I don't like that any more than the rest of us might like it, but um, there's a reality to that. Um, there's a pride and arrogance, not just by leaders and pastors, but by parishioners, uh, where um, we feel like or might even say, well, my church is better than your church. Um, or, you know, if, if we were to wear a T-shirt, which I hope we never will, we might wear a T-shirt, you know, my dad could beat up your dad. Some of you might actually have that shirt. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, in, in our hearts and our minds, sometimes we might um, have the mantra in our head that my church is better than your church. And we, we might have our own list of reasons why. Sometimes a barrier is just um, immaturity. Um, and fear in church leaders that uh, people will like another church better. Um, they're cooler, they're hipper, um, they're, um, their pastors are uh, better speakers, their worship team, um, none of them would be better than our worship team, but, um, but people might think <laughs> uh, they're better at playing the guitar or singing. Um, I enjoy the experience of the light show, you know, whatever that might be, um, that there's a fear that if, if we somehow partner and, and serve alongside of other churches that, oh, well, my people will leave and, and go somewhere else. This idea uh, of just decades of this idea of a church growth mentality where um, churches, they plant churches in neighborhoods uh, where, um, although they wouldn't necessarily say it out loud, and even in our story, I don't think we would have said it out loud, uh, where we think we're going to come into a neighborhood and we're going to be better um, than all of the other churches. Um, therefore, people are going to want to come to our church and not other people's church. And there, there's been a mentality and even a, a training in church planners for decades that this is how you do it. And what you become good at as a church planner um, isn't the mission of making disciples. You become really good at, dis at attracting disgruntled church people from other churches. And what you see is that those people begin to come to your church uh, until they're, they're unhappy with something that happened at your church um, or something bad happens, and then they go to another church, and then they go to another church. And in our, our culture that is becoming less tribal, more individual, it becomes about the individual experience, the individual person, and what they want, what they feel like they should have, and they just bounce around from place to place to place to place. <clears throat> And if, if we were to continue to make a list of barriers, we could probably go on and on of what are the barriers to the church being one. Um, there's so many. Um, and it seems insurmountable, so we never talk about this idea. 
But we're, we're left with in John 17, um, Jesus prays for it. <laughs> um, in his final prayer, um, four times, um, Jesus prays that they might be one because we are one, that his church would represent he and the Father's relationship. So for us today, although I, I think it's um, incredibly difficult to talk about and nail down and, and even to develop a path forward, um, for us um, to begin to acknowledge and to begin to make some step as to what does it look like uh, for the church uh, to be one. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well because I think we're all, we, none of us, we, we all have participated in this at some level. Yeah. So there's, there's some, some sermons that are, that are focused on a particular topic of this or that, but this prayer that Jesus prays is, is for us. Yeah. And for a particular picture that he has for us and for every other Christ follower that's meeting in a church around the world right now. Yeah. And his vision for that. And um, I know I have contributed to the problem that he's praying for here. Yeah. I, I, am, I know that I have. I could sit up here and share stories of ways that, that I have botched this. Over, over the years and continue to work to learn from and grow from. Um, and and I, I hope that facing, you know, facing new situations in, in the future, I'm keeping this in mind more in the forefront. Yeah. So as, as we, we can spend forever talking about the problem, um, and I don't know that we have like a, here's a five-step plan to the, the perfect solution and we'll do it next month. Uh, we did want to talk about well, what, are, what are some of the ways that we can make a, a, a path forward. The first one, um, although I, I don't know that we can go in every church and impact them and affect them as though we're right in everything, um, I think we need as individuals and as um, a church here in these walls, um, we need to consider our own issues first. In Matthew 7, it says, why uh, do you see uh, the speck um, that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. For us, um, most of us are here because we, we believe, one, hopefully um, this is where God wants you, um, is to be here and be involved uh, with this local body. But we're probably also here because we believe that this church believes better, fits me better, um, does something better um, than other churches. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that our doctrinal statement is wrong, um, but I am saying I, I think it's arrogant for us um, to think that we've got it all right. Because I think every other church that claims the name of Christ and preaches the gospel um, they also think that they have it right and maybe perfectly right. So for us um, to be willing um, to seek the Lord and say, okay, where is it that I, that we, might have it wrong? I mean, it's dangerous to pray that, right? Because um, maybe, just maybe, we're not perfect in all things. And for us, um, instead of looking out and saying, okay, well, here's, here's all the, the top ten reasons that we're, we're better or different than every other church, and we've got it right and they've got it wrong, 
instead of taking that approach, I think um, Scripture bears out um, that we should figure out and, and seek the Lord say, okay, reveal in us, reveal in me where I might be wrong first. And I think the idea um, for those of us that might have um, some hurts in our church past, what many of us do, um, to learn to forgive um, or um, and <laughs> um, to seek forgiveness. Uh, we may have wronged um, another person in the body of Christ. We might have wronged another church family in the way that we've said something, done something. Um, and for God to reveal that to us and for us to seek forgiveness and when those other people or those local churches have wronged us, um, to grant them forgiveness, to, to remove um, any debt that they have to us, um, to wipe that slate clean and not hold them to it. Ryan, there's this um, idea in Ephesians 4 um, about extending grace beyond our past hurts. Uh, do you want to read that? Yeah. As, as this topic comes up uh, in multiple contexts, texts, this idea of unity in the church, um, Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 1 through, or verse 1 through uh, 4, really speaks to this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And it kind of goes on from there. But the, the phrase that always uh, gets me with that, and if you've been in life group, I, I've pointed it out before, is in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness. I think that gentleness term is so unexpected in that passage. With all humility, I get that. We, we, we recognize we're not perfect and we, we come broken. But then that next phrase, I, I think there's lots of other words, but the gentleness is such an unexpected word. Like with humility, yes, I'm not always right, but with gentleness. Well, then how do I respond with gentleness? With, with people who disagree with me, with church leaders that disagree with me or that we, we haven't been aligned with before, how am I gentle with them? Do you think it means we just, while we're telling them how wrong they are, we just give them a hug? Speak softly. <laughs> Speak softly. <laughs> it, is, it is tough, right, to be, to be gentle and humble, to think maybe, maybe just maybe I'm not perfect in all things, yeah. and uh, to be kind. And then it goes on with patience. What is patience? Patience, by definition, takes what? Time. More time. And so it's not going to be immediate. And I think that goes back to the gentleness aspect. If, if we can be okay sharing our convictions humbly, gently, and then give them enough time to absorb that and then be humble enough to receive back from them, you know, the, the discourse that then, that then happens. Yeah, somebody said, I don't know who it was, but um, um, I heard it said, 
that uh, when we pray for patience, which I know many of us probably have, some of us do daily, uh, praying for patience, that, that God doesn't grant us patience, but, yet he, but instead he gives us opportunities to express it. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just make me perfectly patient tomorrow. Nope, he gives us opportunities to express it. And, um, and, and the idea and the, the mission to, to be unified as God's church, uh, we need that. I think the, the other thing is to um, understand what, what our hills to die are, yeah. uh, are and, and recognizing that there are locally and, and you know, broad, more broadly speaking, there's, there's Christ-following churches that believe differently from us, that yeah. practice things differently from us, that look differently, but that that does not disqualify us from, from seeking them out, from working with them, and looking forward to it. And I know the, the examples that I think of over the years, when I think of, of uh, other churches in the neighborhoods that I've lived in, they don't bring up flowery, lovely vibes. They, my, my mind frame goes to... Are you talking about the, where you grew up? I'm talking about both places. You grew up like in the middle of a farm field. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how many churches were in your hometown? Well, there's the ones I'm thinking of. We had multiple churches out in the middle of the country. That, that those oh, okay. were the churches that I rubbed shoulders with more. Actually, okay. um, there were there's there's you know multiple churches in our town, but there was probably at least fifteen or twenty in a, in a, a neighborhood that didn't cover more than you know maybe three or four thousand people if you if you link up the whole circle. But nonetheless, when I think about um, experiences with those churches, it's not a, a lovely experience. And a lot of those churches I know are Christ-following churches, but they're, they're, I think about people. Like, oh, they used to be in our fold, and now they're in that fold. And, and, to, and that makes me sad. It makes me upset. Maybe we didn't end things right. And, I, and that goes from growing up all the way through now, mm. and then yeah. when I combine the people history, and I combine the, maybe the less than great experience of planning an event or putting something on that's, that's more of a, uh, a community-wide thing, and maybe it didn't go so great, and maybe it, not looking forward to the next one. Um, there's just a lot, of, a lot of not great there. Yeah. So, uh, with, with, with all of that, and, and we could talk much more about disunity in the church and um, the fact that uh, we're not coming this morning with a... Um, Here's, here's the five-step plan to be unified um, next month. What we want to do um, as, a, as a church here today is we want to follow in the steps of Jesus in John chapter 17. We want to spend some time praying together and um, asking um, as individuals, as a church for us here all together, that if, um, if there are planks in our own eyes, that God would reveal those, that we would begin to see uh, where we might be wrong, have gone wrong, um, that God would um, help us to see where um, we might um, not be willing um, to forgive others, um, where we might need to go back and uh, make things right um, so that we might be able to see that um, God, God's the one who's going to have to unify his church, um, but we have to be willing to let God do what God wants to do in our lives to make that a reality. So here's what we're going to ask. Um, and we know that some of you might be new even today. Um, we're going to ask that you guys might get in groups just kind of where you're sitting. And if someone's sitting out, uh, feel free to, to include them or ask them to come in. 
And also feel free, if, if you don't know anyone and you don't want to pray with anyone, um, that's, that's okay too. You'd be like, no, I'm just going to pray on my own. And uh, we still love you. But we're going to encourage you guys to just get in groups where you are, uh, whether it's online, whether here in this room. And let's, let's spend some time asking God to reveal um, those things in our lives, in our church's life, that God uh, would somehow, um, in his great um, and glorious power, that he would unify um, his church here in Canal Winchester uh, or wherever that might be um, to, for his glory, that he would do that. God, today is, um, we're confident that uh, you are aware of, of our, our hearts. God, you are aware of our failings in this area. You're aware of our fears that might have even been brought up today. God, you're aware of places where we have gone wrong, where we have refused um, the guidance of your spirit in our lives. And God, I've, I've got to imagine that um, you are grieved by um, the status of unity in your church. And God, it's, it's clear um, to me and in my own life, and I'm, I'm sure in others, that I'm not grieved near enough by something that I believe that you're grieved by. So God, um, as you know, we, we don't know how to fix all of this except for to be your people in the way that we act, the, the way that we speak. God, that we would resemble uh, and reflect you in all things. And God, we uh, would be neglectful if we didn't um, acknowledge today that some of us have um, some deep, um, some deep hurts, some deep wounds uh, from things that have happened in the past. God, I'm grateful today that um, you can heal those things, that you can help us um, to grow uh, beyond those hurts. God, as we um, just uh, mature as, as believers, as followers of you, God, that uh, you can uh, take uh, those things and help us to see um, who is truly our brother, and God, that we would treat them as such. God, that all across your church, um, for those that serve as leaders or under shepherds, God, that uh, we would see where we have, we have gone wrong, where we have led uh, people to a brand and not to you, where we have been part of... Um, maybe harming others in our own immaturity or selfishness or arrogance. God, in our lack of humility. God, for those um, who may have left another place um, poorly in their communication, God, in conflict and offense, God, that you might um, grant them the courage and the grace to go back and to make those things right. God, that they would be willing um, to seek forgiveness and to grant it. God, that uh, we might um, one day um, be better unified as your church and that tomorrow that uh, we would be more unified than today. But God, start uh, with us um, as your people here I call this place, this body, home. God, that you would have your way in our lives. 
so that we would be less and less um, part of the problem and more and more reflect you. God, may you do what only you can. For it's in Christ, a more than capable um, name that we pray. Amen.